Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and 13 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Tomorrow is July 4th, right? And we've been preparing for this day for, I don't know, how long do people prepare for July? Is there a preparation? I guess if you're in the fireworks business or the grilling business of sorts, you do a lot more preparation than the rest of us. But tomorrow's July 4th, a day in which we celebrate the United States' independence from British rule and you know, all that came with that, in 1776, which marked a new era in human society. While the concept of democracy, the idea of a republic, was already uh, a common concept in the world, this was a, quite the social experiment that, uh, that the Founding Fathers undertook in order to uh, to gear human society with this phrase you might recall from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I see some of you did a good job in your civics class because you still remember having to memorize that and were able to recite that. We're really good at taking this phrase and making something out of it. And what I mean by that is, well, at least when it comes to the pursuit of happiness part, we know that part pretty well. We know how to seek at least what we perceive as our happiness. I know what's going to make me happy. And I know it's going to Taco Bell after this. <laughs> We're pretty good at the pursuit of happiness part. And I do find it uh, very, uh, very fascinating that they don't give happiness as a right. It's just the pursuit of happiness. You're allowed to pursue it. That's as, that's as far as your rights go, though. We are kind of on the fence about the life part of it, the right to life. And, and what I mean by that is we really only defend life insofar as it's convenient for us. I don't know if you know this, but since June 27th, anybody know how many days ago that was? It was a week ago-ish, less than a week. Since June 27th, seven shootings in Mobile. And I don't see many Mobile citizens doing anything about it. Because we say, well, that's somebody else's problem. That's what you know, law enforcement's for. Well, if we keep casting all of the things that we think are somebody else's problem onto somebody else, not much gets solved of it. So that's why I say we're kind of on the fence about the life part. We only want to act insofar as it's convenient for us. But the liberty part, this is the one that I think we need to reevaluate the most. Liberty is the state of being free in a society. But I want to ask you, what is this freedom? Are you ready for a little call and response part? How would you define freedom? If you were just going to give me a definition. 
I thought y'all were quiet this morning. Salvation, interesting. I definitely want to hear more about that later. I'm very curious. Tell me more. What is freedom? Do whatever you want without infringing other people's rights. Mm, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Any other thoughts about freedom? Do you think about freedom? What that means? Freedom is feeling unencumbered. Feeling unencumbered. I like that. That's good. How long do you think I can hold an awkward silence? <laughs> I'll give you a break because this isn't the only call and response of the sermon today. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I think that, that these are, are fair definitions for freedom, and freedom is kind of one of those words that uh, we all conceptualize a little bit differently in our heads. But I think that if you'll give me a moment, we can all agree that even here in the United States, while we have the unalienable right to freedom and liberty, we are not perfectly free. What I mean by that is, well, let, let's see here. Uh, what, do you, what happens if you break a law? Let's say you, you murder somebody. What happens? What's that? Yeah, you're going to get arrested. Uh, maybe something worse. Yeah, so somewhere along those lines. Uh, what, if, what if you steal something from somebody? Yeah, you get arrested again. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. What if, uh, what if you put salt on a railroad track in Alabama? Why would you do that? That's a great question. But we have a law for it in Alabama. It's the death penalty, by the way. If you put salt on a railroad track in Alabama, it's the death penalty. What's that? Yeah, that's also illegal, by the way. I learned that. Yeah, you can't put pennies on a railroad track either. It's something about derailing the train and you know causing calamity, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, if we break the law, then we're subject to certain uh, negative repercussions. And so we have this limitation that's placed on our freedom. You can't do whatever you want. I just wanted to walk into uh, Target and take something off the shelf and say, this is something that I want and I'm going to walk out with it. It's not going to go very well for me. We have these limits because we are not perfectly free to do whatever we want. Now, a different question. Does anybody know why we have laws to begin with? To maintain order, yeah, that's, that's pretty fair to say. Uh, how do those laws get thought of? Yes, that's right. Somebody does something stupid and we say, can't have that happen again. <laughs> Let's try to keep those kind of people away. Yeah, it's because at some point somebody did something foolish and people in power decided that life would be a little bit better with certain kinds of rules. Uh, for example, summertime, we've uh, probably all seen this recently. What's typically one of the first rules you see whenever you go to a swimming pool? Parents probably know this best. No running. That's right, no running around the swimming pool. Why not? That's not fun for the kids. 
It's dangerous. Yeah, you're going to fall on concrete, bust your head open. Uh, yeah, uh, so we have certain rules because people have done stuff that have led to other kinds of negative experiences. And we decide, well, let's put a little bit of a limit on this freedom so that we don't have the worse experiences come out of it. Uh, what about this? Why do we have speed limits? Yeah, I imagine so. Wait, are you talking about me? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, people make bad decisions, right? And, and particularly if you're in Mobile, it seems like we're always in a hurry uh, to get nowhere to the next red light, believe it or not. Um, yeah, <laughs> what's that? Limits aren't always good. We're going to get there. You're jumping the gun a little bit, Mark. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, so a couple of other laws and rules that exist in the world that I just think are pretty interesting. Because uh, we have some weird ones in the world, uh, by the way. Did you know that, uh, we'll stick to Alabama for a second, it is illegal to drive blindfolded in Alabama. Uh, it, it is a shame when you have to legislate common sense. Don't drive blindfolded. It's illegal. It's also, uh, the, the law doesn't stop there. It's also uh, illegal to drive a car if you can't see what's in front or on the side of it. So you mean to tell me that that person who was driving with seven mattresses on the hood of their car was driving illegally the other day? There's a Twitter page, uh, by the way, that's Drivers of Mobile. If you're on social media, look it up, Drivers of Mobile, and you'll see these pictures of people who do like crazy stuff while they're driving. Fascinating. Uh, let's go to Los Angeles for a second. It's illegal to wash your neighbor's car without permission in Los Angeles. Who knew? <laughs> uh, in Alaska, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is the law. It is illegal to drive your car while your dog is tethered to it. <laughs> Don't drive your car while your dog is tethered to it, especially not in Alaska, because it's illegal there. You can't drive a car in reverse on public roads in Arizona. You're not allowed to drive a black car on Sunday in Denver. It's, <laughs> it's illegal to run out of gas in Youngstown, Ohio. You run out of gas, prison. I mean, <laughs> that's on you. I would have been in jail so many times. In Louisiana, if you try to send someone a surprise pizza, you're going to be fined $500. They have to know the pizza's coming. <laughs> you can't send somebody a surprise pizza in, uh, in Louisiana. In North Carolina, if you're a bingo lover, this one's for you. In North Carolina, a game of bingo cannot last more than five hours. It's illegal for it to last more than five hours. That's probably a good one. But it's even worse if, uh, it's even more illegal, I guess, if you're playing bingo while intoxicated. So no, uh, no BUIs, bingoing under the influence, if you will. If you're over 14 years old, you're not allowed to trick-or-treat in Virginia. I don't know. I, you're just, it's illegal to trick-or-treat over the age of 14. Um, in Vermont, this, is, this one's still weird. Uh, in Vermont, women must get permission from their husbands if they want to get false teeth. 
Now, I, I mean, I, I, I personally don't have experience with this, but most people going for false teeth is a little bit later in life. I don't know how they reconcile if your husband isn't still alive or if you never got married. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that works out. Uh, but, yeah, got to get permission for those false teeth. Now, uh, and this, by the way, this very law, women getting permission for false teeth, has come up uh, in Virginia legislature every single year for the past couple of decades, and it is yet to be overturned. <laughs> They're like, no, that's a great law. Keep it. Weird stuff. We have all of these real weird uh, rules and laws because someone saw that imposing certain restrictions on absolute freedom is necessary for a safer and more, more pleasant society. Uh, for example, it's a more pleasant society if you're not driving your car while your dog is tethered to it. General rule of thumb. Especially if you're the dog, that's right. So uh, what I'm getting at here is that we're not perfectly free because there are still certain rules that we must adhere to for the sake of ourselves and others. Limits are not always bad. Limits are not always good. Limits are not always bad. Uh, by the concept of the Declaration of Independence, all U.S. citizens have a right to freedom. However, that freedom has limits. And I put limits in quotes there because, by and large, most people will agree that the majority of laws are necessary. Like, you know, not murdering people. Let's keep that law around. Not all of them are, are necessary. I feel like women in Virginia going for false teeth don't need to have permission to get them. So, you know, it's a give and take, I guess. I don't know how the legislature works. People are weird. But here's the question that I want to ask on the eve of July 4th. If you break these laws or rules, are you still an American? Uh, yeah, you, you technically are. Now, if you get all the way to the felony degree, you lose some of the rights, like voting and stuff like that, but you're still considered an American. Now, let's turn the table. If you break one of the laws or rules in the Bible, are you still a Christian? See, it's interesting if we frame it like that because most people don't think so. They think if you're breaking one of the rules, you must not be a Christian. I don't know where this concept comes from, but we've become uh, really obsessed with the rules of the Bible. I guess it just gives us some clear-cut way to live our lives, but it's, it's terribly difficult. Anybody know how many laws there are in the Old Testament that uh, the Jewish uh, religion, religion has to follow? Yeah, 613. 613 laws, and these are like the explicit laws. There are other kind of uh, recommendations by the prophets that aren't included in this, but 613 laws that Jewish people must abide by. I'm not going to remember all of those, uh, especially considering that, uh, that some of those rules and laws cons uh, consist of things like you cannot wear cotton and polyester blends. It's, it's, you can't. If you're, if you're Jewish, you cannot mix two kinds of threads in your clothes. Or you are required by Jewish law to build a small wall around the roof of your house. So that, and this is a quote from, uh, from Leviticus, so that you do not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls off the roof. Okay, 
yeah, that's one of the 613. But it also has the laws like uh, you should welcome the immigrant for you yourselves were immigrants in a foreign land. And also uh, commands like let the poor eat from your fields uh, for you have been provided for by God, not yourself. Uh, those kind of rules. Yeah, so there are weird ones and logical ones. Uh, now, let's go into the New Testament. Do you know how many laws or rules or commands are in the New Testament? What's that? Ten, eight, two, one thousand and fifty. Now, some of these are kind of are slightly repeats of each other, so they can be more lumped into about eight hundred broad categories. That's still more than the Old Testament, by the way. Uh, yeah. So, and, and if you were to, you know, if you're a good Christian, you live by both testaments of the Bible, and you t want to tally that up, we're inching about toward sixteen hundred and sixty-three laws, rules, commands that a good Christian is going to follow. That's a lot of rules. That's a lot of rules. So we ask, are we as Christians truly free? And if you break one of these, are you still a Christian? The answer to both is yes. The reason being is slightly multifaceted. Uh, so to begin with, if you've been in a Bible study with me before, you've heard me say this relentlessly. The Bible is not a rule book, okay? It's, it's just not what it was structured to be. The Bible is a, it's also not a history book, by the way. There are several historical contradictions in the Bible. You wanna talk about those, come see me afterwards. Several historical contradictions. The Bible is not a rule book. It is a book of human potential. And it shows both sides. Human potential at their best and human potential at their worst. And in the midst, we see all of these commands and laws and rules that are meant to be kind of guiding principles for life. But, so that's the first thing. The Bible is not a rule book. The second thing is that we could never, ever do enough to be good enough for God. It just doesn't work that way. God is infinitely holy. We are broken. By the grace of God, we receive salvation. Uh, by the love of God, we are restored to rightness, but it's nothing on our account. It's everything that God is doing for us through Christ. By the advocacy of the Holy Spirit, God embraces us even with all of our faults, but it's nothing we could do. So that's number two. Uh, number three that gets into the uh, notion that we will always fall short. This kind of plays off number two. We're always going to mess up one of these rules in some way, shape, or form. We're going to be on the interstate and we're going to hit 71 miles an hour. Oops. Broke the law. We're going to be shopping for clothes at uh, Belk, I don't know, wherever you go to get your clothes. And you're going to pick up one of those shirts that's part cotton and part polyester and broken law. We're going to be imperfect people. But number four, this is the important one. The rules, laws, and commandments in Scripture serve one purpose. One purpose. To nurture harmonious relationships between us and one another 
and us and ourselves and us and our world and us and our God. The rules, laws, and commandments serve one function, to nurture harmonious relationships. If you look back at uh, any of, I don't know, pick any of these rules or laws or commandments and we start unpacking them, and you'll start to see one of those four themes threaded in it, that it, this law, commandment, rule is there for a particular reason. And these are slightly different from our normal laws and rules. Rather than somebody was stupid and then they had to come up with a law to protect people from other people's stupidity, these laws are a little bit more prevenient or preventing. They're there instead to, uh, to ensure that we act harmoniously in our relationships with others, ourself, our world, and our God. Jesus then tells us that all of the law and the prophets are fulfilled in one command. Love. Love. That is the purpose of freedom, to love. Earlier I said that the liberty part of the Declaration of Independence is one that I think we need to reevaluate. And what I mean by that is I think we might have misconstrued freedom to be about me and my rights and what I think is right. We have this weird sense that I am entitled to more than the people who are not like me. And we have this weird sense that the people who don't follow the same rules that, as, as I do, that they should be punished in some way, shape, or form. This is not the freedom that Christ offers. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, In Christ we are free. And this freedom is a certain kind. If you were to unpack all of Galatians, this is basically the premise of all of Galatians. Galatians 5 verses 1 through 14 are like his uh, thesis statement or the climax of the whole letter. He's essentially saying, we are free from slavery to the law. And this is exactly the same thing that Jesus was trying to get people to see uh, whenever he was wandering on earth which is that the entire religious practice of the day had a single focus. Obey the law, even the weird ones. Even the weird ones. One day Jesus and his disciples are walking through the field and they're hungry and they start picking grain off the field and the Pharisees come and approach them and say, no, no, you can't do that. It says so right here. This verse right here, it says, you shall not do any work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, that's ridiculous. They're hungry. Let them get some food. God isn't going to strike them down with lightning for doing what they need to do. For doing something that nurtures harmonious relationships. In this case, the relationship between the disciples and themselves. We have to take care of ourselves. Now, you might say that that's kind of what we're supposed to do is obey the law. The law is everything. Obey the rules. The rules are there for a reason. Just don't break the rules. Keep the rules. And that's partially true. I'll give you that much. However, the religious context that Jesus was speaking into is one that's becoming far too rampant in today's day and age as well. And it's, uh, it's this notion that there and our obedience to the law or the rules or the commands has become at the expense of our fellow people. 
In other words, the law had become in Jesus' day a form of oppression because people were more concerned with the law than taking care of one another. And in the church, I've seen the exact same thing. Uh, I, I, in my counseling practice, I talk to a lot of people who come in with a lot of baggage from the church. They come in burned by the church. In fact, I've, I've seen a couple of people who won't come see me because I'm working out of a church. Uh, and you know, I go and meet them somewhere else. Uh, because the church that they went to at whatever point has said, you don't dress like us. You can't come to church here. You've got tattoos. You can't come to church here. You have a different thought than I do. You can't come to church here. And the church has started to exclude people who don't keep up with its rules. And the law has become a form of oppression for the people. So, Paul tells us, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And this yoke of slavery is slavery to the law. This adherence to all the rules rather than adherence to love. Instead, he says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. Do you hear the irony in his statement? For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Instead, Use your free, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. Rather than obsessing over the rules, Paul, in the Spirit of Christ, tells us, obsessively love one another. So my challenge for each and every one of us today, serve one another in freedom. Because that's what it's all about. That's what true freedom is. True freedom isn't about the limitations that get placed on us or the lack of limitations where we feel like there might need to be more. True freedom is not about doing whatever we want. True freedom is not about self-indulgence and what I think is right. True freedom is not about the rules. Rather, True freedom is about doing what is good. True freedom is about serving one another. True freedom is about love. And so as we step into Independence Day tomorrow, and we celebrate freedom, and we honor the beginning of our declaration that acknowledges that we have rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, let us recall what that liberty is meant to be for. Not me, but all of us, serving one another in a spirit of compassion. The Bible's not a rule book. It's a book of human potential. And my goodness, humanity can do some pretty incredible things if we simply act out of love. Let us pray.